I'm SP from the GuineaGeek.com show, a weekly geek news podcast that is part of the GuineaGeek.com network. Just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other amazing geek shows at GuineaGeekNetwork.com. Welcome back to The Crash Couch. I'm your host, Chris. And today we are going to be talking about episode four of the new season of The Expanse. This is season four, right? I'm not losing my mind. We are still on season four. We are still on uh, season four. <laughs> yeah, it, it takes place over December, January, February, March, 2019, 2020. It doesn't matter. We're still on season four. Can't wait to season five. Yeah, which is already uh, confirmed and it's in production. It, it's so crazy to think about. That is crazy. Uh, with me, as you've heard, we have Ian and Joel. How are you guys tonight? Uh, not good. Bad. Good, good. Yeah. It's nice to see that you uh, held down the ship while I was gone for the last episode. Yeah, how well it'll be received, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I feel I'm, like I, I feel like I was just talking to myself occasionally, and then Ian would pipe in. Yeah, Ian didn't take lead in that episode <laughs> at all. I can tell you. <laughs> Well, I'm sure that it was it was perfectly fine for our audience. If not, then I'm sure we'll hear about it. <laughs> I just read the script. I just found the script. I just read it. I pretended to be each character. <laughs> and, I try, oh, um. and I try not to swear. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is obviously a discussion about retrograde. Fair warning, I've now seen this episode three times. Once for the initial watch, once for our live tweet, and then once in preparation for this episode. And it's it's kind of weird because I I'm actually on episode five at this moment. Like I've not seen anything past episode five. I'm only about halfway through that. So it was kind of weird to just watch this and just be anxious about wanting to know what happens next. But I feel like I'm just like watching the reruns while I'm waiting for the new episode to air. <laughs> That's obviously not the case. <laughs> but I honestly don't have a whole lot to say about this episode so i'm kind of curious to see if you guys can change my mind i mentioned this in the live tweet that i did that it was kind of like i didn't hate it in hindsight it, it's probably going to end up being one of the lower ones of the season oh, mainly because oh, i think it does a lot oh. of it, the, again this is me speaking from not having seen the rest of the season i feel like this is a lot of setup and just a lot of character development with very long scenes full of dialogue. So yeah, I'm curious to see what you guys have to say about it because we've uh, you've both finished the season. Okay, Chris, before we go on, I really need another drink, man, because this is such a fascinating <laughs> you know, episode because we get into the whole OPA political world, right? Yeah, there's different factions of the OPA, right? It's an outer planetary alliance. It's like hardcore tourism stuff that you know, and it's it's just one faction after another maneuvering and decision making being made because of real politique. This is amazing. This is like the sci-fi tourism version of of the West Wing. And you think it's boring? <laughs> no. <laughs> I I I'm like I land in the middle of you guys. Like I, it's cool. I love to see how the OPA kind of interacts with its interfactions. And I do th- I agree with Chris that this is a big setup episode, a lot of character development, more reasons to hate Murtry, um, oh, yeah. more love for Amos, um, more uh, Dr. Okoy being irritated because she's, you know, I think this is the episode where she she hears Miller for the first time. She's like, who's Miller? And so the, I think there's a lot of setup. I think I think Chris is right. 
So and it's just a slower episode, aside from there being uh, a shootout. Uh, see, I, yeah. again, I think it's a generational thing because the people who are younger than me hate slowness. I actually don't mind slowness. The people older than me, they love slowness. So it's like I don't mind uh, slowness. Yeah. It's, it's I'm not saying this is a bad episode. Yeah. I'm saying if the rest of the, if the season's a ten out of ten, this episode's like a nine. Okay, okay, just saying. Um, you, you have to write to your opinion. No worries, man. I'm just you know. I'm just basking in the, my enjoyment of the episode. <laughs> Joel, why don't you shut the hell up? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, you know, you actually, this kind of just brings up an interesting discussion about, and it's something that I thought of during my rewatch today, was I feel like we wouldn't have seen this with sci-fi the network, it being on sci-fi. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they would have dedicated like an entire 45, 50 minutes to setting up so many things in the way that they did. And I wonder, and this, we can't obviously have an opinion of this because we've been watching the show, well, not since from the beginning, but from at least me and Joel from the beginning, Ian didn't get into it uh, right at the start. But I wonder how viewers that may have, see like they they see the expanse on prime i'm like oh i wonder what that is and then go back and start with one two and three and then they get into four i wonder if they have any kind of like negative or even positive reactions to the fact that there is even though it's it's done well so far for the season four it's different in the way that they tell the story it's just something about storytelling especially in the television or streaming uh, world like I had this experience with with Star Trek: The Next Generation, where the first two episodes, uh, two seasons, I didn't particularly like, but about season three to about season six, I really enjoyed. And it's because he started doing arcs, and we knew the characters. So this this one, I'm not sure if the way they filmed the episode is going to turn people off. Perhaps it would it would actually draw people in, and actually get them to understand or at least recognize or at least you know. I appreciate that's what I'm looking for. Uh, the the inner workings, the minutia, the the, the political maneuverings, which mm-hmm. takes time because it's not comic book per se. This is more of a space opera with mm-hmm. real political components to it, and that's something I, I really enjoy about this entire series of The Expanse because it's a political sci-fi series, and I'm about the politics. I love it. I love it. Ian, you are a newer fan of the show, so do you have any? Are, are you you've seen the season so did you like have any like uh adjustment periods to it not really to me this still felt very much like well, i guess hang on rephrase your question so the obviously with season one two and three being on on sci-fi you had to write knowing that that you were having the commercial breaks and mm-hmm. uh you know time constraints with mm. oh, being on I Amazon, you don't have that. So they were able to take and have an episode like this that set up a lot of things, had very long scenes of, of heavy dialogue with a lot of names being thrown around, a lot of faction names, a lot of new and not even like uh, long-standing characters, but just like somebody that pops in for a scene and then they're out. They can do that now, mm-hmm. but they couldn't do that before because they had constraints to go by. Yeah, I think – to me, it felt more familiar compared to the rest of the stuff that I watch. My wife and I, we watch a, a ton of stuff together. And this is the first time that we've, we've actually watched 
the expanse together for the first time. Like we're both seeing, you know, the episodes for the first time together and you know, we didn't binge all 10 episodes, you know, in, in a couple of days. We, we just finished a week ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we still took our time with it because we are watching other shows. You know, there's The Mandalorian. Um, there's, uh, which doesn't have a ton of characters, but um, there's, this it reminds me of something more of like Man in the High Castle, which is like yeah, 80% character development. Yeah. Um, you know, that's definitely more of a slower show. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think that they can, especially considering season five is already confirmed. Yeah. Okay, Chris, uh, do you know uh, the writer, the screenwriter, Aaron Sorkin? He did West Wing the first few seasons. He's been around. He did like American President. He's all about the dialogue. I've been a yeah, huge Yeah, I know the name. Yeah, okay. So someone like me who's an Aaron Sorkin fan, I really appreciate the dialogue. I really appreciate the nuances in terms of uh, where the characters are at, the setting, what's their motivation, and how they can get across to points of view very concisely and and with wit. I love that. So this episode, specifically episode four, Retrograde, reminds me of an Aaron Sorkin teleplay. It really does. Okay. To put some perspective on it. Yeah, I'm I'm going back through and looking at um, some of the tweets that I sent out when I was watching this, and I ended with uh, it was after the episode uh, finished. I said, and just like that, the episode is over. Definitely a slower one that has more dialogue and character moments, but a good one nonetheless. And I hope that I, I'm I'm curious if, for our listeners. I, I want to know what you think about that statement and if you agree with it or not, because I mean, I, I, I would love to be proven wrong to see more of, and I'm, I hope I am. And I have a feeling based on what you guys have said that I will once I've watched the rest of the season, but mm-hmm. unfortunately life has been very busy at the start of this new year. So haven't been able to uh, dedicate as much time to it as I was wanting to. I told Ian offline that I kind of forgot that the show, I still had episodes of the show to watch because <laughs> I'm so used to things coming out weekly. Yeah. yeah no, it's, it's uh, yeah. Easy thing to do. Yeah. When you get just blasted like that. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a good point uh, in this uh, show to, to actually recognize the fact that, Hey, I think the CGI this season is amazing. Totally agree. Yes. Yeah. CGI is like literally, even the fact that you go over these planets like Earth or, or, or all other planets, and just some, like I'm looking at the details. I'm watching the episode now in the background. It's like, wow, they spent some money on doing the visuals. Yeah, good on you, Amazon. Good on you. Yeah, and they the the visual effects team uh, yeah. during their live tweet on Friday was saying that they want to up their game again for the next season, which I am all about. I just realized when I was because I watched um, I think it was episodes like three three and four and half a five um, during uh, my plane ride when I was uh, traveling over the uh, winter period. And I realized that the aspect ratio changes Mm -hmm. depending on where they're at and certain scenes. And I've never, I I don't know how I didn't notice that until like episode three and four, but um, I think that's so cool. And this, just the way that they're re not redoing, but just introducing new new techniques and, and new ways of of freshening things up for uh, a move to Amazon and, and for a new season is just great so far. I think that's really cool. Yeah, and on that very topic, Chris, uh, they do use some swear words in this new season, right? 
And we yes. are a PG <laughs> show. So it's like the last episode we recorded, I really wanted to, to quote a line and I couldn't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. I know. Okay. Well, I guess we can start talking about some of the um, some of the storylines in this episode. I personally liked um, what was going on with uh, Naomi uh, on one hand and then Holden on the other. I feel like there was this one scene where you had Dominique talking to Steven and just her emotions and her reactions like during this when she's trying to get to the Rosie was so emotion like it made me feel like feel something inside. And that's kind of hard to do for like a, a sci fi show. Yeah, uh, especially one that's on a completely different planet. Um, somebody that, you know, is just like like for this for somebody to be able to do that as an actor is just incredible because you know, you, you don't often see that. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, I think she does a phenomenal job, yeah, especially when she's with uh, Dr. Lucia kind of down that trench, kind of talking her through some stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know that she has to keep in the back of her mind that, like, Naomi is is not physically feeling the best, and she's she's not <laughs> right. um, doing – like, she's not taking taking in the atmosphere – the way mm-hmm. that she wants to. So it's it's an inner fight of, hey, I want to like show that I'm strong, but I'm also like physically not able to be here right now. So it's just marvelous acting. Yeah. I love the I love your use of the word atmosphere, Chris. That's amazing because it's a pun. <laughs> and it's it's <laughs> such a subtle pun and it fits. Great. <laughs> what what was some of the highlights for you guys for this episode? Uh something something has stood out to me. This is <laughs> this is just one of my weird Ian brain things, uh, sound guy things, is when Holden gets the call from Naomi where she's basically telling him Mercury is going on a rampage. Um, what are you going to do? His his phone rings, and it's a ringtone that I'm pretty sure exists on the iPhone right now. It's that like, and I, was, I heard it, and I was just, it just made me <laughs> laugh because like it just, uh, usually you don't want sound effects to draw you out of the scene. Uh, but for me, that totally took me out and like brought me to like the real world. Uh, <laughs> it's one of those things that does it makes a show feel more grounded, right? Because you have like, oh, it's just a ringtone. Um, but it's I'm almost certain I've used that exact sound as an alarm, or maybe I have it in my sound library. But I've heard it before, oh, wow. and so it was just really funny. That his yeah, his phone rings, and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Uh- with me, it's the whole OPA politics. Where uh, first thing, I really love the new relationship drummer has with uh, uh, Ashford. I think Ashford's amazing. He's an old, you know, space pirate, and he's trying I to be- love become- Ashford. He's trying to become civilized, but he's a realist, and he knows that. And there's things that's in the works, and this episode really lays the groundwork because we have a new player. We have this new. OPA pirate, an infamous Marcos. Uh, his last name, Andares? Andares? I have no idea how, to, how you pronounce it, but it's, yeah. I think he's going to be pretty important in in future episodes. But just Ashford, oh my God, he's great. You know, he's, I have a big part of my heart for scoundrels and pirates who, who are honorable and who are realists. And like Ashford just meets that. It just, he's, you can talk to differences with the drummer. You can talk differences with the other OPA factions. And he's like, ah, just kill him. Kill him. He needs to be, he needs to be killed. 
it's yep. like it's like what's a Churchill if you read his uh, his no- novels that he won the, the Nobel Prize for literature is uh, about his chronicles of the Second World War if they would have captured Hitler they would just shut up right no no trial just come he's he's too much of a threat that's realism and I really enjoy that at least in, in my fiction at least with that mm-hmm. dashboard. I think that he has some of the best acting on the show. And and that's saying something given how like talented pretty much all of like the, the main and supporting cast is. He just he knocks every scene out of the park, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely agree. Uh what's his name? I'm looking him up. Uh David Straytharn. That's, yes. that's, that's a cool last name, Straytharn. <laughs> um but I, I mean, he's 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 like an Irishman. He's like a, a Belter Irishman is kind of the vibe I get from him. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's it, because it, it, the OPA, you can translate the OPA to the Irish Republican Army, the IRA, or Hezbollah, or these types of, of factions, basically, that exist mm-hmm. in every war, right? But it's like the time period, because today's IRA was not the, the IRA of the 1970s. It's very different. Things change. People change. People get killed. Hardliners get killed so that people can you know, have peace for a bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you want to use the Irish example, the the Good Friday Accords from the mid nineteen nineties, right in in Northern Ireland. So it's or, or you know the north of Ireland, depending on what side you're on. It, it's it's that <laughs> right. yeah, it, it's that way. And you have a lot of reflections happening in the expense with the OPA specifically, which I I just love it. I love the the whole you know, maneuvering. It, it for 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 a political junkie like myself, oh, this is divine. <laughs> Uh, one thing that was brought up, I think, um, by the visual effects team during the live tweeting was the uh, suspension done for Marco because he spends almost all of the episode hanging in zero G, which is kind of a, f- a fun way to see somebody being held kind of prisoner. Like you can yeah. handcuff them or you could just like have them sit in the middle because they can't do anything with no momentum. They can't go anywhere. And awesome from for the visual effects team because there was no no point I thought it looked awkward or anything. It just kind of looked like he's in zero G. Did they say how they did that? Uh, no, and it's not in the X ray as far as I can tell. Um, but let me check. I'm looking. I'm looking through the expanse the 404 hashtags. Let me see if. Uh, and it's crazy during the live tweet of this on Friday, um, Kara G has known so many people on this show for the past 10 years. She has a picture uh, from her wedding with uh, the guy who plays Marco from 10 years ago. Uh, she was in a dance crew with uh, Jess Alguero who, who um, plays way. Um, so it's like this, there's, yeah, but Ian, welcome to the Toronto film business. Okay, this is I guess this, so. This is the Toronto it's, scene. It's making okay. me realize how small the scene is. I, I forget okay. that. So I forget that it's it's kind of a Canadian show, really. Yeah, it, it, um, because of the tax breaks, right? That's why they, they do a yeah. lot of production in Toronto because <laughs> the Canadian government, the Ontario government, put so many tax breaks, right? And right, they're, right. They're, and they they have the, the great city of Tro- the Greater Toronto Area, which has all the stuff you need, protected houses. Yeah, you have a pool of actors. You have a pool of talent. Uh, yeah, so understand, Toronto is is like the United States, New York City. It's just a Toronto version of it. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. So it's like small. I, it's just a small world. You can walk into a bar in Toronto, in downtown, and you may run into any of these people. It happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's happened to me a couple of times. You know, not the expense people, but yeah. 
I wonder if anyone's ever said, hey, I know that Joel Welch guy. He's he's in Toronto. Yeah, my, a podcast is not great for that. I, I don't want it. Maybe it's because it's an audio medium. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> but Seattle's cool, too, and uh, Nashville. Yeah. That was one of the the cooler scenes, I thought, for me. And, like, it's. I wonder if that is – and maybe you guys could um, allude to it in the book, like if that's something that comes from the book or if um, that's something that they thought of on set to, like – imprison him by putting him in and just like suspension there yeah i i don't recall that from the from the book but it's been but you know a year or two since i read it yeah uh, yeah but uh i don't know i think probably not just because it's a visual uh, medium in terms of television or streaming versus the book yeah. because the book will have to put forward explanation right so why is it just floating why why is marcus just floating in the air around why is that so and mm-hmm. that doesn't make for a, a you know, good writing generally. Mind yeah. you, I'm a detailed guy. I like explanation, but yeah. I want to talk some about Bobby. I thought her arc was probably, in my opinion, the most interesting part about the episode. Uh, we see her um, lose her job and then essentially get drunk. Which Joel, did you like that part? I, not, I, not getting drunk, but at the bar. <laughs> Oh yes, uh, with her boyfriend and all that. It happens. Is how is one that way what the sci-fi podcast looks like. Yeah, exactly like that. Actually, uh, <laughs> yeah. So people who are, are in the military or in the paramilitary or uh, police forces or some sort of uh, high-stress organization, they are very limited in how they can handle their stress if they want to keep their jobs and be operational. And it comes out, and it comes out throughout history, right? So uh, I totally get her. I totally get her being at the bar. And just, you know, yeah, because that's what you do. That's how you do to manage stress. That's fair. Yeah. Um, and then we uh, obviously see her get arrested at the end, which mm-hmm. kind of wasn't expecting. Um, I, I, well, I was, but I wasn't. I don't, I don't know what my, what my uh, headspace is because, again, I've seen the episode three times. And, again, just spinning the wheels. Don't really know what to, what to expect going forward from that, but – um, I do know that she she gets she gets out right. That that's in this episode is when she gets out. Yeah, basically, Isai comes to pick her up. So she was she's basically arrested in house, which is kind of a big deal, you know. Mars Authority coming into your home. Oh. Be prepared, prepare yeah. to be boarded. But but this is great. Imagine today you live in your house and suddenly you hear this voices you know on in the telecom system point. The cops are here. Yeah, put your hands up. Yeah, yeah, and then they just walk right in. Yeah, from a tech point of view, that's amazing. From a, I know, a a liberty point of view or a human rights point of view, (laughs) not so much. But still, (laughs) one thing that uh, I forget who it was that brought it up, but they mentioned um, how Bobby is essentially like viewed as like this this big soldier, a, a war hero, and like she's just relegated to join just like the dirty work to to make a living. And I, I want to get see what you guys think just about that that line. Do, do you think that that's something that, that I mean, it's kind of real world too? Because a, a lot of just like veterans and stuff that get out of the military here are are subjected to, in some cases, being homeless, poor living conditions, um, unemployment. I wonder if that's has some kind of correlation, or if it, or if it was just. The natural way for the story to go. Okay, let me insert here now because it's a universal truth that when veterans come back from foreign wars 
they get screwed over because no one wants to deal with the PTSD, all these issues. They're, they look upon someone who you don't want to hire as an employer because you don't know how they're going to react to things. So that's very, very realistic with Bobby's experience going back to Mars. And when she walks into the veterans uh, little employment center and the one officer says, hey, we have all these veterans coming back. Well, we're, you know, we're overloaded, basically. We're, we're, we're swamped. Yeah, that's the reality with governments trying to spend money to fight wars, but not to take care of the veterans after the fact. Yeah. And it's, it's a sad, sad state. But it, it happens now. It happened to Roman you know, you know, legionnaires 2,000 years ago. It's nothing new. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's something that's very grounded in reality. Which that's it's nice to see that you have a show that is so sci-fi, but also still maintains. Like, I mean, we talk about it um, a lot on this podcast about how the expanse feels so real world at times and, and not like way out in left field when it comes to sci-fi. But they they have the the futuristic aspects, but they also maintain that dose of reality mm -hmm. and i think this is one of the more captivating ways that they can do that yeah, yeah it's I totally agree. it's humans being cruel to each other or humans being very mean to each other which mm -hmm. unfortunately is part of human nature that uh, yeah we we asked that the age-old question how can we reduce uh, the unhappiness and the pain and the evil mm -hmm. one thing um where was it that i wanted to bring up was i mean it's towards the end of the episode but there really is a after um a pretty well i don't know that it's epic but exciting shootout kind of a thing right where murtry is going after dr lucia naomi's got her so murtry's basically just like naomi come out you're helping a terrorist and lucia's like it's okay go ahead blah 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 and naomi of course is like no like i got your girl and uh, this is this is something that's in the uh, side note but something that's in the x-ray they have a roundtable discussion. It's about three minutes long about just the strong female leads in this show. And I feel like it's something we could probably talk about forever, but there really are some amazing, not some, there's a lot of amazing leading ladies in this show and they're all very powerful in their own way. And I think that's just something that's, that's really cool um, that we could probably expand upon later. I know Laura hasn't been on the show yet, but I kind of want to have that conversation with her just to see how she takes it. Yeah. How she views them. And all the strong women on the show have other in real life boyfriends and husbands, so it's terrible for me. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you poor single man, you. Um, so, anyways, basically, Lucia she she pops out and she's like, "Okay, hands up, I'm probably gonna get shot now." And Naomi's like, "Oh hell no!" She gets her phone and basically she aims the freaking uh, rat gun in the general direction of Murtry and her oh, right. and, and his yeah, men. That's great. Right. And that's when Holden pulls up and they're able to get it onto the ship. But that's a very intense moment and a very like more lines drawn in the sand, you know, of Holden and crew versus RCE. Yeah. And then you end up having this mini almost Western feeling showdown between Murtry and Holden at the end of the episode uh, where Murtry, I feel like Murtry is showing restraint <laughs> because he was just shot at by Naomi. But you have Holden just walk up to him and sock him. And he just tells him, this ends now. You're not in charge anymore. Which I thought was like, ooh, Holden, you tell him. You know, Ian, for a decade, I've been making jokes about ordering airstrikes off my iPhone. <laughs> like over a decade, really, or BlackBerry before I had an iPhone. And it's just amazing yeah. to yeah. see the reality. Oh, God, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> 
because that's that's basically it, right? So uh, the munitions coming from the, the Rossiante is the equivalent of an airstrike done yeah. through a handheld device. Oh God, amazing! Yeah, pretty pretty crazy. It was really nice at the end of the episode to see Holden show up and just be a straight up badass. <laughs> oh, oh absolutely. He's got a he's got a lot of even up to this point, he's had a lot of very like. I think he has come to terms with authority that he has. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's always kind of been somebody who has, has been a leader, but very much like um, in command. Well, there's a difference between being a leader and then having authority. Uh, yes. Yes. So very, I, which I, I is very much that. whole that's Holden versus Murtry case in yeah. point. Yeah. And it, it's kind of like you, you've seen Holden so far through the first four episodes just sort of build up to like a, a breaking point. And I feel like we've crossed that line. Yeah. Finally. Yep. But Holden still has his uh, coffee maker, right? I hope so. I hope he's getting plenty of coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Because that'll be helpful. Just saying, uh, because I, I, I'm really concerned about Holden, you know, because yeah, he's going through some stressful period in his life and yeah. He needs his caffeine. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Maybe, you know, we're talking about real world things. Maybe um, Holden's love of coffee is how people are like have to have their Starbucks every day. Maybe that's. Uh, oh, yeah. That's exactly what it that. is. I wonder if, if he was drinking tea, would there be more peaceful stuff happening out besides all this violence? You know, is the violence caused by the coffee or would that's tea? A good question. Yeah, I know. I think it's just one of those things that just continues to show that humanity never changes. Mm-hmm. Politics never change. Yeah. That's the same. Conflict never changes, and we still need good coffee. Yeah, coffee <laughs> or, or, or tea because that goes back and forth. And yeah, that takes back to the American Revolution, the whole tea party business. But yeah, that's not oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have not mentioned um, one of the best characters in this episode, Avastarala. Oh, God. Yes. She didn't have a whole lot to do. She had a, a really good voicemail that she left uh, Holden, <laughs> which yeah, was great. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and then uh, in the background, we did see her talking about um, her political opponents. Mm-hmm. And it was just great. To, she was using the, the typical political line of, oh, you know, it was, I, I was always inspired. I think it was her name, Gal, right? Yep. I was Nancy always Gal, inspired Nancy. by Gal, but uh, it was so sad to just to find out that it was all just a story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, there was a line. There was a line from episode three, which is the line I didn't want to repeat, which is amazing. When she was criticizing the voters, what what they want, they want a pony and something else. <laughs> yeah, uh, Ian, do you want to bring up your X-ray fact? Yeah, yeah, uh, the X-ray fact. So, ever again, everyone who's watched this, you obviously have Prime membership. If you're watching the show, you watch X-ray. Uh, so pause the episode that you're watching, tap where it says X-ray, tap view all. And there's a very, very funny, uh, funny only because of the political ads we have to deal with. But it's it's literally just a 30-second ad for Avicerella's campaign. This is like a, another fun little Easter egg uh, that's very much like a Nancy Gao has cut lines. Do you want her in charge? And it's just so funny and so true to life. Uh, and it kind of shows you what her, what Avastrella's ad campaign actually looks like on Earth. And she didn't mention ponies once. <laughs> no. It is very it is a clean despite it being a negative political ad, um, it is clean. Does she say at the end, My name is 
Osterala and I prove this message? <laughs> she does not, no. Uh, what does it say? Hang on, let me pull it up real quick and see what it says. That's um, oh, so funny. You got to watch it. Uh, let's see here. Or have like, uh, uh, this is approved by the Avasarala Super Pack. <laughs> yeah, no, you get, um, let's see. Okay. Yeah. So it says for oh, it's the guy. It's a, it's a very fast talking thing. It's in a bit. If you blah 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 want a copy of blah 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 this message, blah 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 blah. blah. Like, but yeah, it just like it shows Avasarala looking nice and <laughs> all of the. It's got like a, a a thing of um Nancy Gao like drinking wine like a party animal. Like and it says authentic <laughs> authentic authentic footage. Like, it's so funny. And you know that like they just went and did that just probably for the bonus features. And I, I, I bet that it was just a blast to make. Oh yeah. So funny. Uh, in fact, I'll see, I, I could probably record the audio of it and throw it in. And if, if I can, I'm going to put it right here. <laughs> <laughs> Nancy Gao pretends to be just like you and me, but is she really? Her family pulled strings to win her a lottery position that could have gone to any of us. If Nancy Gao stole your spot, you wouldn't even know. We need honesty in our government. Christian Avasarala's family has a history of service and sacrifice that goes back generations. Nancy Gao has a history of cheating and jumping the line for her own benefit. Who do you trust to look out for you? For an authenticated copy of this message and full financial disclosure, please consult United Nation Election Services. Well, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't have much to say about uh, this episode that we haven't talked about, so I'll, I'll leave the floor to you guys. Yeah, I think we covered a lot of it. Well, I'll just say I don't like this Marcus character at all. He seems like a, a jerk to me. Yeah, I got that feeling for yeah, sure. Yeah, very much, so. very much the wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah. Uh, kind of, you know, I'm, I'm a good guy, but absolutely not a good guy. All right. Well, any uh, final thoughts before we close this out? Um, no. I think I think that covers everything. Uh, there's a bard scene in this episode, so I quite enjoyed that. So yeah. <laughs> That was that was your favorite part. Easy right? to please. Forget about the political stuff. Very easy to please. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'm such an open book. All right. Well, that will do it for this episode of the Crash Couch. Then, uh, if you want to follow us on our social media, you can do that at Crash Couch. We do our live tweets. What is that? Every Saturday, Ian, for the most part. Yep. Um, you can find a schedule for that. We try to uh, follow that. There has been um, an instance where we had to. Uh, do it to the next day but if that does happen we will certainly say something i think that's it for that social media my uh, twitter handle is at the curse of chris joel what is yours i'm at joel underscore welch w-e-l-c-h and ian i am ian the beard if you have any feedback or comments or you just want to chat to us about the show we are very responsive on twitter myself and ian uh, are the ones that generally handle any of any of those messages um and hopefully next episode uh we will finally have laura even though she's like she's probably just holding out i I don't know what's happening but maybe some big epic thing happens in the Uh, next five episodes yeah she's just busy a couple things happen you know chris i I think laura has actually a life and she works a lot and she gets going to school yeah there's a life thing going on yeah i I wonder what it's like (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, but hopefully we'll have uh, her and Ernie back as well. So, so yeah, we'll uh, see you all next time. Take care. Take care. Bye now. Stay safe. Stay safe.